Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville, Mark Ennis. Dave Skull, it's a Friday. It's the Friday before the Super Bowl. Dave, how are you, buddy? You doing all right? I'm good, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm. I'm are you? What the hell was all that about? Was with the yelling? Was that? Uh, just bringing Friday energy. I'm sorry, man. All right, all right. Good. Just want to make sure. Want to make sure. Would you like me to be more uh, restrained? No, 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 no. Hey, I want you to do the whole show like Kenny Payne, a foot away from the microphone, <laughs> which drives me crazy. No, uh, I appreciate uh, you being energetic today. I'm in a pretty good mood today. It has been. A, would you agree with me? It has been a really quiet fortnight between the uh, conference championship games and the Super Bowl here. Yes. All things considered, especially when we have gotten the Super Bowl matchup of, of the 2 1 seeds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who have been good all year long with recognizable stars all over the place. And we've it's been overshadowed by real life, it's been overshadowed by NBA trades of, of megastars and all this sort of stuff. I want to talk about the Super Bowl a pretty good amount today. I hope that's okay with you, being this is a sports show and all. Yes, I, I am down with that. I, I, am, I am good with that. But you're right, and I don't really know why there's been less talk. I mean, I'm, I, for one, hate the two-week break. I always have. Like, I think it should be one week. Uh, I think it, it too much of a good thing uh, is, is a bad thing. You know, like too much time between, uh, you know, the conference championship weekend and the Super Bowl, I think – lessens the hype for it just like i think that eight hours of pregame show for the super bowl is something i just can't do you know like a lot of they just there there can be too much of this stuff and i don't know if that's culminating this point because it's not like there's been a ton of other sports stories to take the limelight i mean we've had regular college basketball NBA and, trade the NBA, and that well that's what i was getting at like the nba trade de- trade deadline it's okay it's okay I, I, I step all over you sometimes too mark it's okay uh, um but the nba trade de- deadline is really the only legitimate one I feel like we've had in the last week and a half. You know what I mean? And, and it's it's weird to me. I don't know if it's because we've had Mahomes here a few times. And, and what else can you say about it? Um, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of funky. Kind of weird. It has been. Well, we've avoided two things. The, fir- uh, the first is anyone getting into, like, major, major player getting into, like, trouble this week while they're at the Super Bowl. That's a, a very – I mean, there was the uh, the Eagles offensive lineman who got in trouble for something that happened several weeks ago. But there really hasn't been a Barrett Rude kind of situation or Eugene Robinson, right? Kind of like mm-hmm. those things. Barrett Rude's really uh, the well, most legendary one, isn't it? Like, it's – Well, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, there's a few Stanley others. Robinson. Yeah. With the Cincinnati years and years and years yeah, ago. Yeah. But there's always – it seems like there's almost always something. And there's been almost – I don't think there's been hardly anything – uh, around that really uh, at all and there isn't really anybody in this super bowl unless you're just sort of a competitor and you hate them for that reason there's not like a a super hateable bunch of people either yeah i don't i don't think except for Mahomes' uh wife and brother but like not players <laughs> you know that are that are going to be out there <laughs> the cheesy Mahomes family <laughs> yeah right uh but it has been odd like we really have not spent a ton of time on it and i haven't there isn't a lot of debate to be had. I don't think anyone really knows what to make of this game. Mm. 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that any single outcome would really shock anybody with how these teams have played this year. But I, I, want to add, I wanted to ask you something. I was thinking about this because he went on, Andy Reid went on God Bless Football. That's with uh, it's one of those Levitard podcasts with, with Stugatz and, and uh, Mike Golick and some other guys. And they, He's so, like, serene, Andy Reid is. Is he, like, the jolliest football coach you can think of? Because, like, there are – and I'm not using that as a as an insult or, like, as a euphemism for fat. I don't mean it that way. Because <laughs> that's exactly where my head went. <laughs> well, and, well, I'm glad because there have been fat football coaches, and they're usually kind of grumpy. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Mark Mangino, Charlie Weiss. Oh, Mangino right? like was, was – like, I used to talk to Jason Anderson about it all the time. He did not stand. He could not stand Mark Mangino. He was right. not a good dude. But I was, you know, Andy Reid is I've, – I've never even – I don't know for a football coach. I don't think I've ever even seen him yell at someone. He does seem like – he gets the, the sour look on his face every once in a while. But generally speaking, he's pretty well thought of. You know, and, and we have like the – there's almost like a, we have the, the entire mythos of, of, of Andy Reid like as this, as this jolly – Guy. Like, it starts with his old like the the um the old punt passing kick you know with like Andy oh Re- Andrew gosh. Reed as a twelve year old who is twice the size as everybody around him like it's almost like a Farley skit when you see it you know what I mean like it, it's <laughs> it's incredible and then that just fits in with with his personality now where he just seems like a really nice football genius looks like a football guy you know is a jolly fat coach the uh and i'll second say that because i'm a jolly fat person so um and we have these commercials now which i i don't know why i like the andy reed state farm commercials so much but i do (laughs) i just like him likable guy well i was listening to him and he was saying that they have a tradition on the night before games where He's a big believer, and that's when the coach addresses the team, not like in the locker room before the game. For him, he feels like the work's already done. But yeah. the night before the game, that's when he addresses the team. And do you know what their tradition is? Donuts. Cake. Oh, well, you're, you are in the right ballpark. Pie. Ice cream. Team cheeseburgers. Yeah. See? Yeah. The whole team eats cheeseburgers, and that's like their bonding moment before games. Like I don't know – you know, we had our fun at Nick Sirianni's expense when he had his silly press conference, uh, his introductory press conference. He has obviously shown uh, they made the right choice with him. And there's a great story in The Athletic, by the way, if you want to go back uh, and find it, about him being one of the members of the 2005 Mount Union, which is like the, they are like the, the evil empire of D3 football. Like, they run D3 football. And he was one of the coaches that's on there. Jason Candle was on that staff. Matt Campbell was on that staff. Like, it was a hell of a staff back then. He's a grinder. He's worked his way up. He's he's won my respect. But everybody loves, seems to love Andy Reid. It's real hard for everybody to really like a football coach. But they seem to. Well, see, like, uh, the only people that don't are, like, the Giants fan that just texted into the, uh, the text I line. I saw yeah. that. <laughs> and I respect that. Probably hates him for I his years that. in Philadelphia. Um but yeah, no, like I just—he he seems to have a high approval rating. There's a lot of people out there. Like, there's other great coaches. Well, I guess Tomlin has close to that type of reputation. You know, like I—I I, I don't think Bengals fans like Tomlin. No, but you know what I'm saying. But we just—but you're saying opposing that, coaches. Category. Uh, yeah, opposing coaches aren't gonna. Or opposing fans are gonna be the exception. But like Belichick, everybody hates Belichick. That's not a Patriots fan. There's a certain amount of respect, but nobody likes him. You know, I, I, that just. Just how it is. Um, I think that Tomlin and Reed are probably like the two guys that that I can think of at this point, and others might reach that that level. But quite frankly, like even opposing fans, we don't really like. I don't. I'm, I have no love in my heart for the Steelers, but I have a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin. Me too. You know, and I just I don't. I'm very neutral on the Chiefs. I don't really care, but I like Andy Reid. So it's I don't know. It's one of those things, man. Yeah, I'm neutral about this entire game, which is why I'm I'm very much looking forward to it, and why I've, I'm I guess I'm surprised and disappointed in myself that we have not talked about it more, uh, because I think it's going to be everything we've really asked for in a Super Bowl. There are stars in this game, there are contrasts in this game, which make the narrative 
the, you know, the, the work of writing and, and crafting narratives about the game is so easy yeah. when there are contrasts. But, you know, the experience, experienced coach, the brand new coach, the, you know, the, the, the stoic, quiet coach, the super loud personality coach, you know, the perfect team and you drop in a young quarterback who manages it perfectly and is a running threat versus the guy who might be the best football thrower ever. Yeah, like the old, it's the 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 like basic storyline of these two teams feels like best roster versus best quarterback. Although that's really super simplistic because I think the Chiefs are they have all time greats at a couple of positions. You know, with Kelsey and and they've they're obviously strong across the board. But it feels like the Eagles have the best team, but the 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 uh, the Chiefs have this just you know generational. Mahomes has a way of making them yeah. the best team too. Right, exactly. Oh, it's, I, just, it's, I, can't, it's I think one. it's going to be a, a ton. I think it's going to be an absolute ton of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I it. I keep going back and forth because I, I I think early in this process, I was leaning – I've been on the Chiefs the whole time, you know, and, and now I, I kind of look in the mirror on this and, and thinking, like, am I making the same mistake I made when the Broncos played the Seahawks, you know, and like and, and I cast my lot with the Broncos and this, like, young and hungry team, even though the Seahawks had a much better defense – Eagles have a good defense, but the Seahawks had a much better overall defense and kind of an all-time, you know, legion of legion of boom. But it's it feels maybe like the same the same mistake could be made, you know, casting your lot with the quarterback instead of the team. But Mahomes is at a different point in his career than Manning was, and and I don't know. It's 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 I've been going back and forth. I don't like it. It's going to be scared money that I bet here in the next uh, next twenty four forty eight hours. I'll tell you that much. I did want to quickly want indulge my own fandom and celebrate Rondé Barber making it into the uh, the NFL. Hall oh, of I got fame. stuff to talk about on that too. Uh, but before we get into any of that, I saw a list of of people who are probably going to be on the ballot for next year. Mm-hmm. It, like the, you know, their first year where they might be eligible, and I'm sort of shocked by some of them. And well, then here's what me, I mean. Yeah, me like up. like Andrew Luck, Julius Peppers, okay, fine. No problem. Brandon Marshall, okay. But like Jordy Nelson? I like, I've seen articles with Jordy Nelson as a guy that's going to be on the I'm like when did that happen? Why are we talking about Jordy Nelson as a a Hall of Fame candidate? <laughs> I don't understand this at all. Maybe the Hall of Fame of white receivers. <laughs> I don't know about the NFL Hall of Fame. <laughs> Like you, you could be you can you're inducted next to Wayne Corbett, but you're not you know you, you get a statue of Steve Largent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like <It's> every <laughs> everyone who goes in instead of like one making those awful busts that they hope look like you. Every one of them is just Steve Largent. <laughs> or they, you get one that's carved out of butter <laughs> or some other dairy product. <laughs> or like, yeah, like KSR, the proposed uh, Mark Stoops statue. Yeah. Uh, looked like it was absolutely made out of Kerrygold, uh, for sure. <laughs> By the way, if you want to have some fun, just for the aesthetics of it, you know, almost everyone in the NFL now is an Adonis. Mm-hmm. Like all of them. Go back, since, you mentioned, or since I mentioned Steve Largent, if you go back and look at Dave Craig, who threw the majority of the touchdowns to Steve Largent back in the day, he looks like is it Corey Feldman that was like that played uh, Lucas yeah, in that yep. that that eighties movie, right? You know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? Oh, where, yeah. where he's like eighty seven pounds in a full football uniform. That's what the, that dude was an NFL quarterback for like a decade. <laughs> And well, like like moderately successful, and he looks it's like a different. A, it's a different a math world, teacher. It, the, the the game has changed a lot. It's I don't changed know how anybody so much. survives playing it now. Uh, it's 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 kind of unbelievable, <laughs> the difference in uh, physicality and size and strength and just body content and makeup. It's Tony it's Dungy nuts. is another coach people love. That's true. That's right. Very much so. Just not just not a coach now, but uh, he's just safe. I think the thing with Tony Dungy is like he's. You would let him babysit your kids, like he's, yeah. You know, he's it's like sick. a nice grandpa. He's never going to embarrass you, like by with his own actions. You know what I mean? Like he's, I know. I have a great. Can I tell a Tony Dungy story? You can tell a Tony Dungy story. Uh, this is like he utterly might embarrass random. you with Twitter. Just gonna throw that out there. It's <laughs> utterly <laughs> random. But my, uh, yeah, that's true. My when my my dad at the end of his life 
uh, became a pastor and got really involved when uh, Billy Graham had one of his like last real old school crusades in Tampa. My dad was real involved with that. And so it was Tony Dungy. And when my dad died, we had a real hard time finding my uncle, his older brother. They were estranged. The family had been, still is. And when I, we basically like found an address and next day air mailed a letter to let him know. And when I was at the post office, Tony Dungy was there. And I had my dad's hat on. And for whatever reason, he recognized my dad's hat and said hello to me. I told him why I was there. And he could not have been nicer. Like, it was just like a puddle of, of empathy uh, for me there. And I was a complete mess, too. So I'm sure he saw that, too. But I will never, like, I know that Dungy does things that embarrass people sometimes. But I will always love him for that. Oh, yeah. That's a great always. story. I, I've, I will always love him for that. I'll always think of him as like one of the first people that tried to be comforting to me when my dad passed away. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that, I think that, that in moments like not to get too far uh, um, a C, but this is, I mean, this is what we do on the show. Like that, those are the moments. Also, that, it's Friday, and who the hell wants to talk about Kenny Payne and basketball today? Right for now? at least not for three hours. So we'll yeah, do it. We'll do it for. Right. Well, there'll be time for that. But those personal moments, you know, like people they gain reputations, you know, good or bad, in the public. I'm not just talking about athletes, but celebrities in general. And I tend to take anecdotes like that as, as a little more telling, you know, than than whatever their accrued or, or um, whatever their their public image might be over time. Those are those are more important to me when I hear like a lot of stories like that. So we are going to uh, talk a little bit of the, about the the Super Bowl and just some some NFL storylines. Listen with uh, Washington Post reporter. Are you ready for this name, Dave? I might be telling you the most like metal name ever. Hit me with Matt Bonesteel. <laughs> That's not a real name. It is, and he's a Washington Post reporter, and he's going to join us at three thirty. We're going to talk some uh, some football storylines. That's awesome. Washington. Wait, hold on. He's going to be too. on the show at three thirty. Matt Bonesteel is going to be on the show. That's a great name. It is. It's kind of like when the the trade deadline happened yesterday, you know, and and Bones Highland's name went out, got out there again, and people were like, "Bones Highland." I was like, "Yeah, man, he's." He's a, he's a decent basketball player, but it's one that people don't hear a lot, you know, because he plays for the Thunder. At least he did. When Bones so, Highland. So Nick. Sounds like a roadie. Valvano set that <laughs> up. And can I, like, just as biographical here, like, my first thought was he has lived the opposite life that I lived, like, as a kid. I've, we've talked about this before. Like, the, I always dreaded the first day of school. Because the teacher would be like, Enos, and I'd be like, God, it's not Enos. Like another year it's of never this? En- yes, exactly. <laughs> You're setting the tone, I think, maybe four or five times out of out of 13 years or whatever. I got Ennis. Uh, <laughs> I, if your name was Matt Bonesteel, don't you think you'd be like, I cannot wait to get to school. Yeah. People find out my freaking name is Matt Bonesteel. No one's going to mess with me at all. Ass kick muscle Thor. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> It sounds like a stage name, like Vin Diesel, you know? It's just like, like his, last, his last name might as well just be like, Matt, find out. <laughs> What's your name? F around? Yeah. Find out. Frederick, find out. <laughs> Frederick, <ahead>. find out. <laughs> you know, that's what Louisville basketball needs. They need a Frederick, find out. That's right. <laughs> Instead, we just have a bunch of Frankie F arounds. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is yeah. uh, the way the texture says agreed. Let's talk potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's already cost us one listener. Okay, talking about potatoes, one single listener. <laughs> we can't possibly uh, risk losing any more, Mark. <laughs> I, lo- I do love the idea of daily. And you listeners should know that it's different for all of you. But daily finding out the thing in passing that one of you does not want to hear talked about. Yeah. You know, like, and for that guy, it was potatoes. He's like, I'm not doing this. And the thing is, there was like 700 people that were pro-potato. Right. <laughs> and the one guy was like, I can't do potatoes. <laughs> like, all right, man. Well, I'm sorry. I guess this show isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we, we do we, we really do have a lot uh, that we are going to get into here today. We will talk about Louisville and Miami. It 
it sets up as, on paper, a potential at least like like an even worse version of Louisville at Pitt. Like if they, if they don't do something, it there's no reason to think it will be any different than the way the Pitt game went. And I think Pitt's been obviously very very much improved this year. But I don't think that I think Miami's better than Pitt. I think they have more talent than Pitt. And if they really turned it on, I thought Pitt like give I would give Jeff Cable credit for this. They had no real reason to be like wound up for that game, and they were. And I think you know, as a coach, when you can kind of get your guys up for a game that you probably couldn't convince them that it was going to matter in terms of competitiveness, and they were right, they still were. Larinaga is good at that too. A little better be ready for this one. A whole lot more ready than they were for the pit game. Yeah, this is a uh, Miami this year. They're very explosive offensively, and I just feel like. If you let go of the rope early on this one, it's going to get ugly, and it's you're not going to be able to get back into it. That's just that, that this one I've had circled for a while. Well, they they have been like they are very skilled. I think they came back from a year ago with a lot of confidence after that really somewhat surprising uh, deep run. You know, in the NCAA tournament, they added nice pieces and they have played well pretty much from the get go. And again, I think. Pitt was kind of a nightmare because they were they were dropping threes, but like they're they're good offensive team. You know, I think Larinaga's team is more skilled, even if they don't shoot it from three necessarily like Pitt does. They're overall, I think it's a little bit deeper and it's, and it's a little bit more talented. It might not look like it did there, but if Louisville comes out and Sidney Curry is you know jogging on on the possessions before the first TV timeout, mm-hmm. it's going to get ugly. Yeah, this is just. Um... So, looking at Miami's like recent results and and who was it that they just dragged last week? I'm just having a a, a mental break. Um, Everyone? Yeah. No, it's God, no. They was watching part of the game. That, they, no, they beat Duke by twenty two. Duke. That's what it was. It was Duke. Yeah. They beat Duke by twenty two. Um, before that, they beat Clemson, uh, Virginia Tech. The last game they lost was Pittsburgh, and we talked about that when we were talking about the Pittsburgh game. Um, I don't know. Just, just it feels like from the beginning of this conference season, it's been Miami and in and, and Virginia to me, um, with shades of of Clemson and NC State at times. Um, but that's just it. it it's a, it's they're a terrifying prospect to me. Like I think that of all the teams we play this year, Miami and Virginia, the ones that I felt like we had zero chance <laughs> against. I hate to say it like that, but it's the truth. Um, I mean, we know what type of players they have, Omir and Wong, and, and, and guys that we're, uh, we're familiar with. And uh, Larinaga is an actual good coach, as opposed to, not to drag Jeff Cable, but it's a, it's a coach who, even when they don't have the roster, it's a better I respect, track record. I respect yeah. Jim Larinaga even when they don't have the horses. You know, So when they do have the horses, uh, I think they can be extra terrifying. All right, let's take a break before, because I said we weren't going to delve into those waters, and we started to. I'm like, no. We're not no. falling into those waters right now. We'll have yeah, time. We'll, we'll come back uh, to that, uh, but we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Washington Post's uh, Matt Bonesteel, we'll talk with him, get some storylines. Also, maybe a little bit of an update on what's going on there in D.C., where the expectation is that the, uh, the commanders will be sold probably somewhere in early March, uh, and that would mark, uh, I think, a very big turn and a very big relief to a lot of people in the NFL, uh, and especially for guys like you and me, who they were the standard bearer in the NFC for a very, very long time. Uh, and I think that, that would be welcome back uh, to the NFL uh, as well. So we'll talk with Matt on the other side here. Stump the gas bag at 4.30. We didn't get to do it last Goody. week. Goody. Connectivity issues, but we were ready. We're going to do that on the other side here. On the drive, and I thank the bill. Bye bye. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition. And I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. 
You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. We are pleased to be joined by Matt Bonesteel. He's a sports reporter with The Washington Post, and he joins us now here ahead of uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, Matt, we were talking, uh, Dave and I, a little bit uh, just to, to open up the show here, that it seems like in terms of hype for this Super Bowl and, and like sort of storylines just sort of flowing out of it like they normally do, especially in the, the two weeks between the conference championship games and now, for as good of a matchup as this is football-wise, it sure seems like it's been awfully quiet these past two weeks. Has it seemed like that to you, too? And why do you think that might be? I mean, it's a, it's a little quiet. I think, I mean, when you have, I mean, I think you have the two best teams in the NFL, and there's no, you know, there's no underdog. There's no Cinderella. So it's just two very, well, you know, teams with good players and good coaches that are playing. And when you have that, there's really little of, you know, the, the circus to go along with it, you know, you have people trying to make something out of, well, you know, Nick Sirianni, Andy Reid didn't keep Nick Sirianni on the chief staff when he was hired at KC, and, you know, Andy Reid is coaching against his old team, but, you know, these things happened so long ago that I think that that uh, it's just nothing is like that is getting much traction, so I just think you, you have two good teams, and it, they're saying it should be a close game, and that's what people are talking about. Uh, I know that we... Sports radio, anytime somebody goofs up at all, we, we love it. So the opening press conference for Nick Sirianni obviously was, was fodder for a lot of us to have some fun. Uh, like, look at this goofball. He turned out to be one hell of a head coach. How I guess uh, how surprised are you, if at all, uh, th- that he has turned out to be pretty much exactly what they needed post uh, Doug Peterson there in Philadelphia and how well it's gone? How surprised are you by that? Yeah, I mean, he just seems to match the, the whole – Philly vibe, if that makes any sense. You know, he, yeah. he he's, I don't want to say he's, he's, he's gregarious and he's, you know, brash and he sort of, you know, and plus, you know, they've made a whole lot of great personnel moves. So when you have a guy like that who really matches the, the ethic of a city like Philly and then you have a whole bunch of great players surrounding him, I mean, I mean, it's hard to go wrong. And he seems to have pulled off all the right moves. You know, he's, he's He's a daring coach. He calls plays, you know, this team calls plays the right way, at least as far as, like, the modern statistical NFL goes. So I, I think it's just a good fit. And, and obviously it's panned, off, panned out after, uh, after they sort of cratered and after the last Super Bowl and then rebuilt everything. We're talking with Matt Bonesteel from uh, the Washington Post here. Matt, I know you, uh, you do a lot of work uh, around you know gambling, sort of gambling storylines. Mm-hmm. Seems like this has been a very kind of nip tuck uh, from the gamblers, you know, perspectives here. This thing has just sort of bounced back and forth between a couple of points that this team's favored, this team's favored. What do you make of the line movements in here uh, over these past couple of weeks, if at all? They haven't really moved much at all. I mean, things have opened. You know, the, the Chiefs opened as a small favorite, and that almost immediately disappeared. But then it sort of settled on Eagles minus one and a half and hasn't moved at all, which sort of, you know, this, this line is pretty it's pretty sharp. You know, there's really not a whole lot you can do around that line um, that's going to change anything until, you know, unless it got up to like three, which is a key number in the NFL. Um, but, you know, you're going to have a lot of people saying, well, take the Eagles, it's, you know, they, someone, someone can win this by a field goal, I think, and the Eagles could easily do that, but then again, the Chiefs are, depending on how their health is, uh, you know, I don't think they're a point and a half worse than anyone if they're completely healthy, so uh, it's just a good matchup, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, yeah, things have not moved much since two weeks ago, since the championship games. Is there a matchup in this game that you feel like maybe ought to concern one team or the other. You know, I think about with the Chiefs, they've obviously been so good for so long now, but you go back to that Super Bowl a couple of years ago, the offensive line was a mess, and it just short-circuited everything. And part of that was they played the worst defense they could have possibly faced with offensive right. line issues with that Tampa Bay uh, pass rush and the ability to cover Kelsey. But is there a matchup that you could at least foresee possibly sort of making this whole thing moot like that happened in that Super Bowl a couple of years ago? Yeah, one definitely is A.J. Brown against the Chiefs' uh, 
quarterbacks. I mean, he's 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 so much not necessarily taller, but he's just so much bigger than the Chiefs' quarterbacks. And uh, if you look throughout the season, the Chiefs have really struggled against number one wide receivers. You know, Mike Williams. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers had a big game. Mike Evans, the Bucks had a big game. Devontae Adams, I think, shredded them twice. So, you know, and it goes on. And those aren't the only ones. You know, Stephon Diggs had a big game against them. So, I think if anything, if the Eagles decide that they don't necessarily need to run the ball like they had the last two games, but these blows were two blowouts, so they, you know, they just wanted to get the lead and get out of there. And if they don't necessarily have a huge lead, you know, if you know, the Chiefs quarterbacks don't all get injured in the same game, then maybe that could be a matchup they could exploit just because the Chiefs have, have struggled to, to slow down uh, number one wideouts. And then they have another one, Devontae Smith, who could do, do just as much damage. So that's a really tough matchup for a Chiefs secondary that has been the, the weak spot of that defense this season. What do you make uh, overall now that we've got they're all the way back in the Super Bowl of what uh, the Chiefs sort of making this decision we're going to move Tariq Hill and people are thinking surely that will have some sort of impact on their offense and I guess it maybe changed the how but it didn't it didn't alter really the the productivity really of them at all how I guess maybe how surprised are you that they really seem to have traded one of the most dangerous people in the NFL uh, as an offensive weapon and did not really slow down at all offensively well I mean when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes that cures a you know a multitude of sins so when you he could turn a a quarterback like him who is so versatile and so you know creative in what he does back there he could turn guys like Jared McKinnon and you know MVS and you know, Michael Hardman, even though he's not going to play in the Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, he could turn these sort of Kadarius guys who Tony. may not be the Kadarius Tony, right, right. He, he could turn all these guys into, you know, just make them look so much better. And uh, I think even without Tyreek Hill in there, I think they probably figured, well, we have Patrick Mahomes. He can get it done with us no matter, you know, who we have. We have and then we have Travis Kelsey, who is a tight end in you know, name, size and name only. You know, he's just such a dangerous weapon to throw to that, the, the, you know, the Chiefs figured, well, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of him and, you know, it, it won't hurt us that much. We'll get something for him and, and, and we'll go from there and it's worked. I mean, my, you know, God bless him. What do you, uh, how impressed maybe were you with the, the AFC championship game and the way the Chiefs really handled that? I, I thought that there was at least a, reasonable chance that Cincinnati would really handle them. I was just really impressed with the way they played at Buffalo. And and Cincinnati got after Joe Burrow far better than Buffalo, uh, Kansas City did far more effectively than, than Buffalo did. How surprised were you maybe, especially at the defensive effort in that game from Kansas City? Because we don't really think about them like that. And, and Cincinnati had all manner of uh, momentum going into that game, and Kansas City took care of all of that. How surprised were you by that? They did. Yeah, they did. But I think a lot of what Cincinnati was doing in the in the first couple games of the playoffs with their offensive line being so banged up that they were, you know, they had, were getting it done with smoke and mirrors. And I think the weather in that Buffalo game, real, I, for some reason, threw off the team that should play well in that weather. Um, but Cincinnati seemed to handle it better. And then, you know, the Chiefs sort of exploited the fact that I think the Bengals were down either two or three starting offensive linemen, and they called an offensive game plan or defensive game plan that. Uh, that was able to exploit that, and they got to Burrow a bunch of times. The thing is, with this one, now they got an Eagles team with two All Pros on their offensive line and no injuries, except you know Lane Johnson seems like he's he's healthy for the game. So uh, that it could be a different story. I, and you have a team like the Eagles that you know has so many weapons out of the backfields, especially with Jalen Hurts who can run the ball too. I mean, that's I think it's going to be a different story on Sunday. What what can you tell us? I guess maybe the latest about what's happening with the the sale of the Commanders. I'm sure that's a story that everyone uh, in the NFL is is watching and hoping gets done without much of a uh, without much of an issue. But what, what's maybe the latest there? And what do you think is sort of the next thing that needs to happen there? I mean, the latest. I mean, you hear all these stories that there. I mean, he's going to get a huge number for this team. I mean, it's an, it's one of the NFL's. You know heritage franchises, if sure. I, so to speak. So, uh, I mean, there are some issues involved. You know, they don't, the stadium's junk, and, you know, there's a lot of 
positive PR that needs to be rebuilt with this team. A lot of people have abandoned this team in the past, you know, since Snyder took over. Sure. So whoever buys it is going to it's not just going to be a case of, okay, here's a check for however many billions of dollars. Uh, here's, you know, I'll take one NFL team, please. There's going to be a lot more than that. I mean, they got to get a new stadium built and they got to repair their image with the fans. And, you know, this town was just insane for that team, yeah. you know, until, until Snyder took over. And then it like, it, it, I mean, everyone saw the, he was sort of a novelty for the first couple of years. And then people saw him as this guy who, you know, was not only didn't he not only was, didn't know what he was doing, but you know was kind of a jerk about everything he did. So, you know, there's a lot more involved. I, I, I mean, I don't know the specifics about who's going to buy the team. I mean, there's only so many people that have six billion dollars or whatever it is to buy an NFL team. So, um, it's going to be probably someone we've heard of because those people are pretty rare. Um, but there's a it's a big task, and you know, I don't think. Anyone, you know, it's not like a ready-made, ready-to-succeed franchise. There's, there's just a lot of things that need to be repaired with this franchise, and, uh, and you know, God bless whoever wants to spend that much, but uh, someone will do it, and they'll probably make money off it. Matt Bonesill, uh, the Washington Post. We appreciate you making time for us here, buddy. Uh, enjoy this uh, Super Bowl. I, I'm with you, man. I feel like the closer we get to it, I still don't have any idea what's going to happen in this game uh, at all. I can't nope. wait. To, and I'm glad I have no rooting interest in it at all. It'll just be great. Right, right. Uh, just like it is, man. Right. Thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Matt Bonesill, Washington Post. Good stuff uh, from him, as always. But that was silly that Washington franchise, well. By the way, like that's – Goodell probably – he can't say anything. But if you, if you ask – Roger Goodell, would you like your ownership to consist of uh, Daniel Snyder or Jeff Bezos? You're probably pretty happy with Jeff Bezos, don't you think? Probably. Between those two, I'd say uh, anybody other than Daniel Snyder. There's very few that's worse <laughs> than Daniel Snyder. Like, I really can't think of... Like, Goodell, Goodell is Right. Goodell has stepped in it enough times in the last several I'm oh, not yeah. necessarily the biggest Goodell fan, but... Daniel Snyder's worse than all of them. Like, of all the bad actors or mediocre people I think are in power in, in pro football, I think that Daniel Snyder's somehow worse than all of them. That's saying something, really. Well, I think it's hard for you and I to truly make the, like, the, the generation right below us understand just how much of the gold standard that franchise was. It was, yeah. For all of our childhoods, they didn't. No, they won the Super Bowl what three times or three different quarterbacks. Three different quarterbacks, yeah. Yeah, and and they were always good, and not only always good, they were always like kind of classy mm. while doing it. And they've been trash ever since. And it's just such a bad place to have a franchise where everyone hates the owner, and ownership's kind of changing in sports. And I'm kind of curious how that will play out overall. Like when I was a little kid. Hugh Culverhouse was just like a super good lawyer, and he owned the Bucks. Right. And that, now it's like Steve Cohen and and Jeff Bezos and these people that are filthy rich, and then they buy these teams, and they're already rich. They're not rich. Yeah, they're not rich the because of the teams, or they're not yeah. that their legacy of their families or their wealth is not the sports team. Like right. they acquire the sports teams almost as a playground or a play thing I mean, after they've already acquired their wealth. It's a little bit of a different yeah. dynamic. I mean, the Broncos literally is the Walmart family that bought the Broncos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Bezos is, I mean, he is one of the richest men in the world and kind of a the face of the new billionaire, for better or for worse, and I don't know. Like, it's, it's for me... The like, challenge with Bezos, I think the real challenge for Bezos is going to be, if he were to buy this team, what, like, how does he, with a straight face, make the case for public support for a, a stadium? Yeah, good luck. You know what I mean, right? Uh-huh, like, it, uh-huh. like, like Jeff, listen, we I know that there might be some civic benefit to this and all that sort of thing, but on the list of people who simply cannot, with a straight face, even ask, you are on it. Mm. <laughs> Don't do it, man. And also being that it's in Washington, it'll be like the ultimate government versus private sector you know what i mean like it'll be oh, right. like almost symbolic for the entire conversation about that i kind of want elon to get involved just for that oh. alone i don't care for elon he can, he can stay hilarious. right where he is he can buy he can buy a rugby team in south africa if he wants to get involved in get out pro there sports. and freaking uh commanders that have a 90 yard field after elon <laughs> buys 
doofus. Elon's like, we're going back to the old name now to prove it to the woke yeah, media. Here. Exactly what he would do. <laughs> Honestly. Um, All right, let's open up the phones. Let's but it, it is kind of a it is kind of a testament to how bad yeah. Daniel Snyder was as an owner that they they won their last Super Bowl in what ninety two, and they were considered a laughing stock organization in the last ten to fifteen years. Oh, yeah. And every single story that was attached to them was negative, whether it be Snyder's resistance to the name change or every single a shred of scandal that has come out of Washington in the last 10 years, last five years. Like, he's just not a good just dude. Just down to the like the botched honoring of, uh, of Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor, like, he can't do anything yes. right there. They can't do everything they Stadium's he a touches. Mess. Yeah, everything he touches is trash. Uh, and you wouldn't know that they were one of the gold standard organizations from our childhood. 8150-939, that's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 38 31 93 9 for the UPS jobs text line. Uh, gosh, uh, texter uh, just texted in a, a video. I think it's Scotty Scheffler uh, shooting. Oh, I just saw uh, this today. And it's like the wind blew it off the green. <laughs> I've never seen like that's the sort of thing. I'm not someone who plays golf, and you are. Mm-hmm. But that's the sort of thing that would be like, God does not want me to play golf. It is, I will tell you this, it is um, the. Hardest, like I can deal with uh, with cold and everything, and uh, well documented. But when it when the wind is just shrieking out of control on golf courses, that like even mentally, it just messes with me a lot. And getting hit like a five iron flush, and it goes forty yards shorter than it's supposed to, and gets pushed right. It's just all those type of things. Just and you can see it does, happens to the pros too. Like wind is is the absolute worst, hardest factor to deal with as a golfer. We've been there. I, my, that, this is my problem with, with golf and gambling. <laughs> and in, in, in particular, cards, like poker or whatever. It, it, to me, I'm a sore loser. I'm too competitive to take losses in stride. Like, for me, I don't have that, that middle category where it's like, this is just sort of what happens. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. You know, in gambling, like I, I don't, I can't make room for that category. Golf, I would be exactly the same way. But yeah, well, the wind got to. I bet the wind came from God's nose, and He hates me. Yeah, this. So Scheffler pulls this ball back beautifully, and it's looks like it's settling a couple of feet from the uh, from the pin, and it just keeps getting pushed farther and farther until it's off the green. It really, oof, oof, it gives me nightmares. Uh, and that's we're talking about one of the best players in the world. But yeah, no, with poker and stuff like that, it's funny because you can. I love playing cards. I've been playing poker my whole life. There are times where you can play just perfectly, and it just simply doesn't matter if the river doesn't go your way. You know, in, in the swings, especially in no limit, it's uh, it's brutal for sure. And if you are a sore loser, I would stay away from that game, and I would stay away from golf, quite frankly. And I do. Yeah, you're smart. I keep going back for more. So. 93.9. I did uh, very, very quickly. This is just playground, my own personal pet peeve uh, here. Last night, you, know, you have the N- uh, a bunch of NFL awards, and, gra- and congrats to everybody that won uh, various awards uh, last night, and the announcement of who made it into the Hall of Fame. And in the announcement of the MVP, it was uh, revealed that the particular uh, member – of the Buffalo Bills training staff that, that essentially saved DeMar Hamlin's life uh, by having the presence of mind to immediately get the AED going and, and CPR and saved his life, uh, was given a fifth-place vote in the MVP. Just basically like Spurrier used to do with Duke in his preseason AP or right, coaches right, right. poll ballot, you know, just to, so they could see him there. So someone, uh, I think it was Jonathan Jones of CBS tweeted, I think it, I think it was, tweeted that – the uh, this person you know was got a fifth place vote. What a nice gesture! And then Adam Schefter, who has oh had a has taken a real nosedive in terms of what I think people think about him as a journalist, immediately barrels in as like it was our Susie Culber who did that. And I, why did he have to do that? Why did like why did first of all, why did we have to know who did it at all? But why did he have to run out there and tell everybody that it was Susie Culver? I don't know. 
because he sucks. It bothers the hell out of me. He's such a weird guy. <laughs> well, ever since the um, the uh, leaked and speaking of Daniel Snyder and and you know the whole leaked email thing, like Schefter has gone from you know at least respected NFL insider to oh yeah, that's how he gets his information. <laughs> like, he's just a total shill, and I don't think anybody looks at him the same way as they used to. See, I lost the respect with the, the whole Watson situation. Where it's like, this is why Watson was welcoming the legal counsel, and he's like, he's like, oh, remember play that? Out. Yeah, uh, he had already. I think that with the with the leaked emails and everything, where he was basically like joking that he was their PR guy or whatever. Or it was. He, no, he was called him his boss, was, right? Yeah, the, no, the general manager. He called the general manager George Allen at the time of of the then Redskins, his editor. Yeah, his editor. That's what. That's Mr. right. Mr. Editor. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Yep. Mr. Editor. That's what it was. That was the term. Good lord. Like that was when I was done with him. And then the, the Deshaun Watson thing was absolutely, the most Deshaun Watson, uh, friendly reading of the situation. <laughs> like nobody else saw it the way he saw it. And he's like, this is why he was holding out. And then it aged like milk. Like a couple days later, when another accusation came out, just to, the dude is just a professional water carrier. Frankly, at this point, uh, an actual one, not you know an accused one, um, for whoever will give him information, and that just seems like something that's completely like who needs to know that information? I don't know. Just making her a target for well, it was you know it was weird. It was like it wasn't even make about making sure that Susie got credit for it because I don't think she she wanted credit for it. That's not why you do a gesture no. like that. It was doubly creepy because, to me, it sounded like he wanted to make sure everybody knew that he knew who gave that guy the fifth-place vote. Yeah. It's weird. Like, that's a, a ceremonial uh, gesture like that is entirely uh, supposed to be about the person for whom it's made, not mm-hmm. the person who makes it. And here comes Doofus just kicking the door in uh, like, like the Kool-Aid man, just letting us know oh, who, yeah. who did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, why are we doing that? <laughs> Uh, mentioning what you were, you said that Rondé Barber got in. Big day for you. Um, yes. The Jets finally, Joe Klecko, after all of these years, finally inducted in the Hall of Fame, and Darrell Revis, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Bout time, in addition to Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner being the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Future's bright in West East Rutherford. Yeah, need shades. West Rutherford. What? Where's West I'm Rutherford? No, I almost said the Meadowlands, and I'm like, they don't call it the Meadowlands anymore. But it is the Meadowlands. I guess the, East Rutherford. East it's still Rutherford. the Meadowlands. I was about to say it's bright, but it is bright for the Jets there. The, and you know, Brees Hall before the injury was really f it up. Yeah, no, Brees Hall probably would have been the offensive rookie of the year if he hadn't gotten hurt. <sighs> so is there an e an East Rutherford, and then just like a Rutherford? <laughs> Or I know is that, there an East Rutherford and a West Rutherford? There's probably just a Rutherford. I I know East Rutherford, obviously, and I've been there a handful of times for a Jets game as well as uh, for Army Notre Dame and a couple other ones. I think there's just a regular Rutherford. And then an East Rutherford. And then an East Rutherford. Well, yeah, we know about East Rutherford. Let me see. I'm going to confirm it. This is the sort of thing we could look into before we get on the air. No, no, we Go definitely. Forward. Yeah, there's a Rutherford. Okay, there we go. And there's an East Rutherford. Don't see a West Rutherford anyway. Anywhere, sorry, Spencer. This is the New Jersey geography lesson of the day, <laughs> <That's> guys. <right. laughs> look, guys, it's either this or potatoes. Yeah. What do you want? Potatoes. All right, Louisville's three and twenty-one. What do you want us to do? Right. <laughs> I did want to quickly give a shout out to Mark Andrews since you were talking about the Jets and the Jets possibly. Uh, pursuing Aaron Rodgers, which I think a lot of people obviously think that they are going to do. Uh, Mark Andrews, uh, at uh, uh, in a recent interview, said that uh, he believes that deserves a contract that's bigger than Aaron Rodgers' contract, mm-hmm. which is enormous. Uh, and uh, good for Mark Andrews. That I tell you, you want a teammate that will ride for you like Mark Andrews has, like nonstop from day one. He says he does more than Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is getting fifty million dollars a year. Look, Lamar's been good, to Andrew, Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews has been good, to Lamar. Sure. I mean, those are those are two guys. Like when you only have one legitimate weapon for your entire career <laughs> in Baltimore, he's going to get a lot of work. They out, love you know? each other. They truly Texas love each other. There's a Mike Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in Genesis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the rest of that that uh, Hall of Fame class, okay. Uh, this year we've got Joe Thomas, obviously one of the greatest offensive tackles of all time. Zach Thomas, 
linebacker for the longtime linebacker for the Dolphins. Demarcus Ware, the Cowboys. Obviously, Darrell Revis, Rondé Barber, Don Coriel, uh, linebacker Chuck Howley, defensive lineman Joe Klecko, and cornerback Ken Riley. Pretty good class. And a lot of names that are pretty iconic to our age growing up with football. I will say I I, I do not do not know who Ken Riley is. Should I? Uh, Ken Riley, what did he Ken, Ken Riley play? The name sounds familiar. I feel to bad, me. but I'm willing to admit it. I'm vulnerable here. I'm, I'm owning it right out in front of everybody. I don't know who that is. I know Don Coriolis. We still use a lot of Don Coriolis content oh, yeah. now. With the, like your numbering routes and that sort of thing, like that's all straight from Don Coriolis. Yeah, he played for the Bengals. Well, there you go. I feel I'm probably going to be uh, pissing off a lot of local listeners. Nah, man. I mean, I that's not, the only reason. That's the only reason is. why I knew his name. But dude, he played in the '70s, early '80s. So I feel like you get a pass there, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, host of sports show, we probably should know who Hall of Famers in the NFL are. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I'll go I did slide, not yeah. know that one. I did not know that one. How do you feel uh, about Hester getting let out again for the second straight year? I my my thoughts of this are are known. Uh, special teams are extremely important. We act like they're important, and then when the Hall of Fame comes around, people act like they're not as important, you know. And that's—I think it's stupid. He was the best to ever do it in his position, so no. he should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I disagree, and I want to say this: fight me on it. Devin Hester can go to hell. What did he do to the Bucks I'm, this uh, time? No, it's what he no, probably what no. he did to the what he did what to the U of L. Yes, he is. He is. I have a list. Of people who terrorize Louisville in ways that hurt, he is on it. T.Y. Hilton is on it. I knew you were gonna say that. Like, like that's, like, I, I can't get past that. I, as a host of a sports show, I'm going to pretend to get past it. <laughs> like, Devin Hester's the best at what he did. I don't root for him to get in. I swear to God, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sincere, and I, I realize that it's a me problem. But as a Louisville fan, I can't get over. We know Mark hates special teams. You probably didn't think Ray Guy deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that is the other thing. You do hate special teams. That's true. Could <laughs> be like the ultimate sort of. Uh, is that Mark Mosley actually won an NFL MVP one year? What? In 1982. He was the NFL MVP. See, I can't go that far. That's the kicker for the, I believe, a barefooted kicker for the Washington Redskins. I can't go that far. I, I can't. I can't possibly no, go this that is far. What, see, when you treat special teams people like they're like they're people, like they're people, this is what you get. <laughs> Chick Elliott for Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> you get a barefooted kicker in the Hall of Fame. There you go. Okay. All right. When we come back, we are going to talk a little basketball. Uh, as well as a couple of uh, current events at least worth mentioning here. On the other side, on the Drive on the Thunderbolt.